everybody. We have made it. This is episode 15 of the Always Relevant Podcast. I'm Terrell Cummings, your host, and looking forward to today having uh, two of my best friends on, Dane Nabale, Dennis, aka DJ Weeby, on. Uh, they've both been on separately, but now we're all in together. We're going to talk about a few things about the wildcard playoff weekend, the upcoming division around the NFL playoffs, the college football national championship, uh, John Beeline, and some some uh, choice words that he had for his team. I'm not sure if they're intentional or not. And also uh, a few other things as well. So good having these guys on. We're just going to be going back and forth, talking like we're just talking home. We're just talking the phone. So uh, thanks for everybody that listens. Our three to five people that are out there listening, you know, we definitely appreciate it here. And um, I know we're looking to have fun and have a good time. So hope you enjoy the show. Hey, what's going on? Uh, we're at episode 15 of the Always Relevant Podcast. It sounds like one of our guests are on for today. Dennis Weeby, what's going on, dude? Nothing much. Just uh, living the dream as always. Happy to be here with my buddy via podcast and uh, looking forward to speaking with our other guest. Yeah, whenever he gets back on. Sent the message yeah. out to him. We're just waiting for him to pick up. You know how it goes. Those Northern so. Ohio people don't know how to be uh, on time for anything. <laughs> yeah, you can't say much. In the test session, you're definitely late. Yeah, well, tomato, tomato. And he does live close to New York now. Maybe it's traffic. He can't answer his phone. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that, could be, that, that completely could be. Um, I don't know, man. While we're, while we're waiting, man, what's, what's been going on? What's been good? Well, more importantly... Your family is growing by the minute. How's the baby? <laughs> Actually, you know what? Both kids are just getting over, like, stomach bugs. Like, last night, or I guess, what was it? Was it Wednesday night? Or Wednesday after I'm picking her up from the babysitter, uh, Copeland started throwing up. And so she threw up from, like, 6 to, I don't know, probably, like, midnight. And then don't. she seemed to be fine. But she was laughing. It was funny. Like, she would throw up, and she'd be cracking up. Then she throw up, then she'd go and play. Sounds like me after a few too many alcohol beverages. <laughs> right. And throwing up. <laughs> yeah. So she she was doing that. And then, you know, that was fine. She cleared up and everything. So we thought everything was cool. And I guess yesterday I picked up Caden and them from the babysitter. And the sitter's like, yeah, he's just talking about his stomach's been hurting all day. So we came home. He slept all the way home from the babysitter. He slept till like 10 o'clock. Woke up, hung off a little bit, and then he ended up throwing up like twice and then chilling. So, I don't know. Hopefully, I don't get a stomach bug. I don't think I will because I'm not really one to get sick. But I better knock on wood because my luck, I'll get sick. But um, other than that, everybody's good. Kate has a basketball game today. Um, he's playing in the six- and seven-year-old league right now. Um, and he's five. So, he's turned so, you know, he's still the smallest kid out there. But I think skill-wise, he's there. He just needs to be a little more aggressive. And he will. And he's enjoying it. He's having a good time. So it should be fun. Awesome. Good kids all around. Sorry about the sickness. Hopefully, it doesn't keep passing through the family. But no, that's not wow. a fun time for dad. <laughs> no, not at all. But before the sickness, though, we're out because it's been warmer here. So Thursday night, we're outside playing basketball in the driveway till like, 8 o'clock. So he wanted to work on a few things. 
and he he actually has a pretty sick crossover. It's kind of crazy that well, um, <laughs> he beat me by now. Uh, you know, not quite yet. He's working on it though. I still got the height advantage. So I can still pitch into the fifth row. <laughs> Are you the dad that rejects him and plays full tilt at age five against him? No, <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm, I'm not that. I'm, I'm the guy that's trying to get him to go fast, but then take his time when shooting. You're not that guy. No, I'm not that guy. I, 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 would, I would never want to be that, that guy. So. You're not Uncle Rico. I can throw this pigskin over the mountains. <laughs> no, no, that's that's definitely not me. You know what I bet you Dane did? I just thought about this. I bet he put on the do not disturb on his phone and he didn't take it off. So now it's not going through. So he's probably wondering what's going on. <laughs> that's funny. Well, let's figure out those uh small brain northerners and no doubt. Uh, text or call him. Yeah, we're try we're gonna try to do this on the fly because um We got yeah. rules. Yeah, kinda rules. Not really rules, but it's all right. No podcast should have rules because then it's called radio. That's true. That's true. There's really no rules. There's you can be no rules. One except, except for play um plays music by artist. They don't appreciate that and then they'll say, Hey, we want our money for royalties for playing it. On your show, so I'm like, ah, nope, I'm not doing that. So. Exactly. Well, it still was a great intro song, even though it got cut out. What's what song was it? I'm I never back. heard it. Um, well, I can't enunciate it, or I can't say it because I don't want to pay Aerosmith anything. They don't need a facelift. <laughs> I can't say that. Come on, boys. When you get that much money, just get the ladies with the money, not the poke your needles into your face and look like a look like you're in a casket, but you're moving. Don't embalm yourself early. Old men are sexy. Fat. There he is, the man, the myth, the legend. Good morning, gentlemen. Oh, you came on professional, too. Dane, what's going on, dude? Everybody, Dane signed five to show up six minutes into the podcast. It's all right. Me and DJ have been holding it down. What's going on, dude? We thought you forgot about us, or you actually left on your do not disturb. Well, as you know, I joined Twitter, so I had to check my Twitter to see if uh, LeBron was coming back to Cleveland, and uh, I have no news on that yet. I'd like to report <laughs> Oh, weird. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have a feeling that, that that may not be happening anytime soon. Unless I'm, unless he's going to retire. When he's going to retire, he might come back one more time. That's fine. I'd rather watch him at 45 than what I'm watching right now. So, <laughs> Hey, they're they're young, though. I mean, you got to give them a chance. So, led by Tristan Thompson and friends. As long as Kevin Love doesn't go postal anybody, it's all right. Yeah, we don't know if that's going to happen, though. <laughs> Dane, <laughs> nah. Dane, if you ever call me a gentleman again, 
we might take this off the podcast out back. Well, I wanted to set it. I forgot you were on. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If he would, if he realized you were on, he would have definitely um, pumped the brakes on that. We know better than think something like that. Yeah, so I apologize for everyone for actually doing that. Well, I appreciate <laughs> your apology, and I accept it wholeheartedly. Thank you. <laughs> you know what, guys? I appreciate the pleasantries, but I want to get into a little something here. And I'm going to skip the whole My Sports Week like I normally do. Nothing crazy is happening. Michigan's ranked 19th in the country in basketball. Dayton's ranked 15th in the country. They're both holding it down, doing all right. I'm not mad about it. Um, you know, we'll see what happens going forward in the future. But um, did you guys see in the news, um, I guess, John Beeline? I guess a story about John Beeline. I guess he was addressing his team. I don't know if it was after practice or after a game. And somehow he said, you know, we're not out here playing like a bunch of thugs anymore or something like that. I don't know. He refreshed with the word thugs as far as doing it. And some people took offense to it. He says he didn't. Realized and said it. He said, I thought I said slugs, and the assistant coach said, No, I said thugs. I don't know how much I believe that, but you know, but everything in the league, everything that's going on in our, you know, in the, in the climate now, and everything has racial undertones as far as doing that. Um, so some players are like, You know, what's going on? What the hell? Um, and Beeline, I guess, was reaching out to them and, um, you know, trying to smooth things over ultimately, but. I mean, what do you what do you think about? It? I know, kind of, I was talking to you about this earlier, Dan. What do you guys think about that, the whole situation? Well, well, sorry about that, Dan. I'm going to take the lead here because I'm a gentleman now. Uh, I believe that uh, any coach hired in that type of position should obviously know how to conduct himself in front of public. That's a big part of their job, but also. Uh, if he doesn't have a background of being a racist or anything and his players should know him by now or he's not a good coach, that he's not that way, things will happen that could be said, not uh, recorded or published that don't mean anything negative to anyone. And uh, there is a, a, consider it a noun. And that being a noun uh, could fit in. That's locker room talk that got published. Now, with that, I think we could all agree there's always uh, players that don't think that they're getting the treatment they want. They should be the starter. They're the best ever, and they know it. And unfortunately, as a coach at that level, you have to know that because if you say something wrong, they're going to take it to the next level and try to use it against you. But uh, I won't say anything negative. That's the job, and that's the job you took on. He needs to be smarter than that. Yeah, and I don't like the uh, – I agree with Terrell. I think saying you meant you meant to say something else and you actually said something else, I think you should just admit, hey, I messed up. I shouldn't have said it. I know he gave a heartfelt apology to the team. Um, right. But I'm saying, I'm saying, like, you know, just admit you said it. Uh, the coaches said he said it. The players obviously heard it. There's a lot of issues there. Uh, I follow the Cavs obviously pretty closely, and uh, there is just there's a lot of issues that's been boiling over. There was a lot of complaints that they don't like his coaching style, the way he talks to them. They don't even like the way they call the plays by animal na- names when they're going down the court. So there's a lot of problems there. I mean, I don't know. 
at Beeline at 66. The NBA coaching is a lot different. It's obviously a lot more managing egos and that type of thing. Exactly. And I don't know if I'm starting to want, I was excited for the hire at first because there's young players and you got to develop them. But I am starting to have my doubts in Cleveland right now. I mean, it's tough though, too, because I mean, he's never been an assistant coach. Like he went from high school to like a junior college to a D3 school to like Canisius and then ended up at like, what was it? Whatever school is out there in Kansas or somewhere out in Iowa or something yeah. like that. I think where Corver went. And then he ends up at West Virginia and then at Michigan. You know, so he's never been an assistant coach. He's never had any kind of NBA experience. You know, he, he's probably coached how he's always coached as far as that. I'm not saying that means anything, but like, like I said, he should have just owned up to saying it. I'm, I will 100% I agree with owning up to saying it. And I, I want everyone listening and you two, and you two know me that uh, I'm just saying it by the book there on that opinion. But here's what happens the HR, everybody's covered it up, or he thought that was a great idea to cover it up. But own any decision you make and come forward with it, and people will respect you more, especially the players for you. If you said, I made a mistake instead of lying and covering up because weak people lie. If you do it, own it. Yeah, I agree. And um, one of the things I wanted to bring up that I talked to Terrell about is something like this can linger a long time. You continue to lose, and the stories like this just keep piling up, and they relate it back. So I want to give a lot of love to Tristan Thompson's performance against Detroit the the other night. He had a career-high 35 points leading the Cavs to win over Detroit in overtime. Um, And that really shows leadership. After all the drama that's going on with this and all that kind of stuff, Tristan Thompson's been the uh, ultimate professional in Cleveland since he's been there. He develops the young guys, and I thought that was setting a heck of an example for the young guys. Even though there's all this drama, you got to go out and play, and he did that. So uh, I thought that that showed a lot right there, and that really helps Beeline a lot. Right. Oh, yeah, that, that's true. He did come out and do that, but you know, a couple of days before that, Kevin Love came out, and he's obviously frustrated with everything, and I mean, he's not the only one. And I mean, they always, they knew it was going to be a rebuilding project in Cleveland as far as doing all that. And then I was worried that this for him and for, I guess, for their team overall is going to be a big setback. And I wonder if they can get past it. If they if they're like, you know what, he didn't mean it in that way or whatever. And he's probably not going to say I'll I venture to guess he's not going to say anything like that going forward as far as everything. But um, I just wonder if they can bounce back from it, especially because they're a young team. If he does say it again moving forward, he is ignorant or he is maybe possibly racist. And that's his inherent decision. And he should go back to wherever he came from because it's 2020. Racism is absolutely terrible from day one. And you know what? Uh, You shouldn't make that much money and even have a shot. There shouldn't be a three-strike rule. Get him out if he does that. That's ignorant. Right. That's ignorant. That's rude. That goes against everybody's morals. Uh, it's it's just unacceptable. Now, now one. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, also, side note: Cleveland on making decisions and rebuilding. They've been rebuilding since Rockefeller. That city, Dane, 
It's directed at you, buddy. I've lived there. Good luck, Cleveland. You lost to the Bengals when you're the better team and they're the worst in the NFL. How do you mess up everything, Dane? Talk. You know, it's great. We're having a conversation about the Cavs and they won the national, you know, the national, I mean, not the national champions, the NBA championship just a couple of years ago, 2016, four straight finals and someone's got to bring up the Browns. That's it's already all forgotten about, dude. Gonna talk about. It's already, already forgotten, forgotten about. about. <laughs> yeah. But just real quick on the Cavs, where it went wrong is last year when Kevin Love signed that big deal, they were expected to contend. You know, they wanted to keep contending after LeBron left, but Kevin Love got hurt right away. Tristan Thompson got hurt right away, and they immediately had to go into rebuilding mode, and that conflicts with Kevin Love. So there's a lot of problems there. I don't know how they're going to sort it all out. The best part about Cleveland people is they divert the conversation about how the Browns mess up everything. I even gave you Rockefeller. That's a lean on that one. That's that's impressive. <laughs> build America. <laughs> but the Browns are terrible. Cincinnati boy. And um, do we think is it even possible, like minor league baseball, Michael Jordan, that Tristan Thompson should be a player coach? <laughs> that's out of nowhere. Wow. No, dude. Yeah, I, this is a I just this is a dude that was on keeping up with the Kardashians. Uh, he ain't ready to coach. Yeah, well, he probably <laughs> coached the Browns and still mess up everything. That's normal. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's he's barely ready to play. Obviously, he came out. He played well. Um, I'm bringing this back around to the Beeline thing. Um, I was wondering if any of his former players, like college players, would come out and kind of vouch for him. I didn't see anything out there yet, and I'd say it hasn't been there. I haven't been looking hardcore for it, but. I haven't seen too much of that out there because I don't like. So I'm a Michigan fan. He goes to Michigan, so I wonder if there's like a Glenn Robinson the third or a Tim Hardaway Jr. or somebody that came out and said, "Hey, you know, our coach isn't like that. You know, he said this. I'm sure he didn't mean anything by it. You know, let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt." I've not heard anything like that. I've heard, I've heard no reports about that. I've heard anything negative, but I haven't really heard anybody giving him the vote of confidence either. So, get him out, Dane. Get him out. Well, no, he has a lot of players in the uh, NBA, too. So, right. um, you know, I haven't heard no negative or positive. I'm not saying get him out. And I would argue that, you know, they use the word – he used the word thug. I don't necessarily – there's different takes on it. Like, some people weren't offended by it, you know, when you're watching the news. Uh, so, I mean, it's just, like you said, in today's climate, you just have to be extremely careful what you say, and that's anywhere. So, right. so here, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry about that, Terrell. Here's a side note, and I, I'm sorry I'm not throwing you guys curveballs. I know uh, Dane being from uh, the Cleveland area, I won't confuse you. It's hard or easy to do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you think as a coach, what's the difference between, like you said, having a lot of players that you coach for one, two, three, four years – that make it to the NBA and coaching people that have all made it there. Now there is a difference in my mind of uh, helping people get established and ready for it. And then coaching against everyone there that has been the best of the best of the best, the elite in a group. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure Beeline is it's, it's one big learning curve for him, you know, trying to adjust to how to coach the guys in the NBA versus trying to how, to prepare and coach kids in college, getting ready for the NBA. So I'm sure that he's learning what he can and can't do, and he's fumbling his way through it. 
you know, like any NBA coach or first time NBA coach is going to do. So it's stay in your lane, buddy. Maybe he's well, he's won everywhere he's been, and the Cavaliers are god awful. Right. Uh, he's probably struggling with that. He's surrounded by a bunch of NBA veteran assistant coaches. Uh, he's dealing with some young players that, you know, came from different systems. If you watch the Cavs, one of the reasons Kevin Love and Tristan is so frustrated is because the young guys are chucking the ball up. They're not sharing the ball. Um, there you go. a lot of issues there. He's got a lot more to deal with than this. He didn't need this on the side to deal with while he's dealing with the God awful right. team. Well, plus you saw Kevin Love blowing up at Colin, at, uh, Colin Sexton for just walking the ball past half court and just dribbling for like five seconds. Kevin Love flipped yeah. out. Yeah, he had court. ball on him, I think it was, covering him in that game. And that's just, you know, you got to get the ball down to your big man, see the mismatches. They're just – him and Darius Garland, who I don't think said good, are chucking it up. And I, I blame Kobe Altman for a lot of the problems. I mean, some of these teams that were supposed to be in rebuilding mode, like OKC is right in the playoff hunt with a lot of wins. Um, you got to evaluate talent. I look at the Miami Heat. Look at the guys they got. They're one of the top teams in the East. No one thought they were going to do anything. You have to be able to, you know, evaluate talent. Right. Absolutely. I'm Not sorry me. we got off topic there, but uh, that's typical with you have a Cleveland person on the podcast, they will advert the obvious win. No, that's that's that, that's typical DJ on the podcast too. You never know when he's going to just hit that left turn. He's got to try to roll with it. You know what? Uh, well, it's the only NBA team in Ohio, I guess. So you guys have to share that one with me. Yeah, they make <laughs> left turns in uh, NASCAR. That's sport. So I'm all left turning. Hey, Daytona five. <laughs> hey, Daytona five hundred is coming up about a month. I hope y'all ready for NASCAR. <laughs> full tilt, full time, boys. <laughs> Now, nah, hey, Dane, I don't know if you uh, if you guys saw the wild card weekend. Our picks were almost completely wrong across the board. <laughs> yeah, I come back to this podcast very humble, very very humble. <laughs> we're, we're, almost, we're almost zero for four. Let's keep that real. Like we're almost zero for four on those games last weekend. That's what happens. When you bring a Cleveland person into it. Well, the worst part is my lock and my. Secondary lock were the ones that lost. So, wow. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was that was just not good on our part at all. I'm glad I didn't place any money on that. Um, for me, I'm it's better I stick with fantasy football. I'm, I'm doing better off with that versus uh, trying to place bets on uh, on playoff games. So obviously, you know, we saw Houston they beat Buffalo 22 19. I thought first half Buffalo played super played really well. I thought Josh Allen played well, and then Second half, Deshaun Watson threw like a Superman cape on, and Josh Allen looked like he was a second-year quarterback. It just wasn't happening for him. He was making stupid decisions, you know, call it like turnovers, they had more penalties. Everything, when it was going downhill, it went downhill fast, and it snowballed. So you guys admitted to making some pretty bad decisions there on your picks. Did you call Beeline for help on how to say it in the podcast appropriately? Uh, for your losses. Did you make decisions like thugs when you were picking? <laughs> no. Uh, like I said, I'm just very humble today with the uh, 
choices. I told everybody to be all over the Saints. I won't get oh, too yeah. far ahead of myself. But I'll tell you what, the Bills were winning this game 16-0 at one point at, at halftime. Yeah. You know, oh, down yeah. at 92 rush yards and 264 passing. The Bills were looking good. I was rooting for the Bills, even though I picked the Texans. But this is how the wild card week started. And I'll tell you what, that, that Deshaun Watson play, that's like play of the year. I don't know how you top that play. Yeah, he, he was he was doozer on his back. He was dragging him to the end zone. He had he had no worries about that at all. Like they weren't stopping him at all. He he definitely pulled his team up and drug him across the finish line there for sure. From the first two points I would love to ask uh, two people, even though Dane's from Cleveland, that I respect completely, or I wouldn't be on this podcast. Number one, trick play, Buffalo Bills playoff in the first series of the game. Is that a middle finger to the football gods? And does other coach, is there like an unspoken rule, like morally of really trick play to score in the playoffs first round? You're not down, you're not up, it's the first series. What do you guys think on, is, is that uh, an unspoken rule of, because I was staring at it, it was an amazing play, and he scored a touchdown jumping over a linebacker, but I was like, can you really trick play first series? I mean, it, to me, it's whatever it takes to win. I know a lot of times... You know, you see trick plays, first series, whatever. That means, you know, typically the team either on one side of the spectrum doesn't respect the opponent or on the other side of the spectrum, they completely feel like they're the underdog and they got to do whatever they think they can to get ahead and try to win the game and take a minimum away. So you look at it both ways. Um, I think that they probably felt like they needed to do whatever it took to score and whatever it took to win. So Respect is the key word there. That's where – um. I was baffled. It was amazing to watch, but uh, being a former football player through college, like you two, uh, I was like, man. But they're they're in the playoffs, so they don't expect to win. is is not an excuse in the playoffs. You're there, and it's an NFL. But I just wanted to bring that up. Just because it, it's been lingering on me, and I just wanted people's opinion on it. Is that uh, disrespectful, or is that full go in the NFL, whatever it takes, first play? But even if it's whatever it takes, that is lack of confidence. Um, there's a lot there, but uh, just – Well, like I said, with you know, when you have plays like that, you know, your coach either looks like a genius or he looks like an idiot. I mean, they're high-risk, high-reward plays. I don't mind the call with Buffalo because, let's face it, they got to the playoffs on defense. Their offense wasn't that good. They're on the road in Texas. They're trying to spark some, you know, momentum. I don't have a problem with the call. I thought it was a great call. I mean, obviously, because it worked. But, you know, when you have an offense that isn't that great and you're on the road, I don't have a problem with it. I thought it was a smart call. Okay. I'm over well, I, what, what I might have a problem with is Josh Allen's end zone dance afterwards, though. Well, I mean, yeah. he put it out there. Well, he, he, was mock, he was mocking his teammates' dance is what he was oh, doing. Oh, I know. No, he went for it. So, I mean, I'll give him props for going for it. I just don't know about the execution. Well, he didn't call him a frog, did he? We're good. <laughs> Second one off the first round of playoffs, I would love you guys' opinion. And 
This one, I uh, am very passionate about, and maybe it's just me because I would love to be this person. Taysom Hill, number seven for the Saints, is an unbelievable – he's the utility player that he threw an amazing pass because he started as a quarterback, like six-yard pass, dropped at the five. He caught a touchdown pass. He ran for 52 yards, running through linebackers like Mike Olstott. And he made two tackles on special teams. So he has thrown for yards, caught a touchdown pass, amongst other catches, ran for it over people like Jerome Bettis, and makes two tackles right after he scores. Defense, uh, his stack book, his tops player card uh, the kids are collecting is confused of where it even put it. It has two columns. <laughs> now it, it was, yeah, he had a good day for sure. He, you know, he's definitely versatile and they use him all over the field and that they should. I mean, he's not, he's, he's the emergency quarterback. He can do it all. Like he's out there as a utility guy and they use him everyone on the field. So he's just full player. He's that dude that can go out there. He can just play. And some dudes are just like that. And he's accepted that role. Like, they tried to offer Tebow like a similar role before they drafted Hill or they before they picked the Hill up. And Tebow's like, no, I want to be a quarterback. That's all I want to do. And they're like, okay, cool. That's Hill. He's like, I just want to play ball in the league. And they're like, all right, well, what do you need you to do? And he, he's gone out there and he does whatever it takes. Oh, and, I, didn't, I didn't add to He's the fastest player on the team. And they have Ted Ginn Jr. Yeah, I don't know if he's the fastest player on the team. That might be a yeah. stretch. I know he's a he ran a sub four four I believe and he's six yeah. four I think and I mean he's just a freak athlete I mean way way better pickup than Tebow this guy oh, sure. Tebow would only be halfway through the forty by the time this guy finished it so yeah yeah this dude's definitely like athlete he probably ran track back in the day like he's 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 good for sure you know, I give him props like he's he's super good football player all around and you know some guy like I said some guys just got there to can just play wherever you put them. They can just play. You gotta so, respect that. Um, just to be clear, he is the fastest offensive player on the team with Ted Gid Jr. He ran at twenty point one seven miles per hour on the touchdown. He reached max speed. He is the fastest New York Saints recorded uh, as an offensive player. Again, he uh, is very. Very amazing to me, the fact that he can score a touchdown and go play defense. And maybe, again, this is just me and my dream, but all <laughs> utility things, utility player, it's the NFL. He is not in high school just filling in like some of the guys I played with and against that can do this. He did everything but kick a punt and a field goal but, oh, no, if it didn't call back, they snapped it to him on a fake punt, and he had the first down. Well, well in, in Ginn's defense, he's a 1,000 years old by NFL uh, standards for a wide receiver. <laughs> well, right. If he, was, if he was Taysom Hill's age and they decided to check what uh, miles per hour he was run, uh, running down the field on a touchdown, I'm sure he'd be up there. It was 20.17. <laughs> wow. It is impressive. I'll give him that. It's definitely impressive. When he goes um, when he ghost rides the whip, he does it on the highway. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you're eight up. Hundred percent eight up. On that note, 
How about Tennessee beat New England? I know. That was an amazing game. All A lot of the first oh. round was an amazing game. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were all great games, I thought. I'm not surprised New England or that New England lost. Um, Tennessee I'm came not. out and they played defense, and Derrick Henry ran the ball like he should. And they've been a different team since they got Tannehill. So you know what's crazy about that? Tannehill only threw for 72 yards with a 24.7 QBR. I mean, this team runs through Derrick Henry, and yep. we talked about this last week. He's kind of an old school runner. He's big. He's tall. He runs straight up and down. Love they it. gave this dude the ball 34 times for 182 yards in New England. Very yeah. impressive. Hey. And against New England, who supposedly had one of the best defenses in the league, but, you know, not so much. He, he ran through it like it wasn't a big deal. So, yeah, yeah good for him. Direct game there. You don't run through him. He runs through you, like Chuck Morris. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, you know what? This could be a conversation for another time, but Brady – and I, I don't blame Brady completely. I don't. I can't even name one of his one of his receivers before the year started. You know, he only had 209 yards and one interception. He was playing against a really good defense, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does now. I mean, you, honestly, I mean, he gets the ball out quick. I just wonder because everybody just gets pressure on him quick. Well, actually, I don't know what they could do. They, how would they play a defense where they have to make him drive the ball down the field? You know what I mean? Because well, he doesn't have great receipt. He doesn't have he doesn't have like top. He doesn't have a number one receiver. He has Edelman that's out of the slot. That's a mismatch. He gets the ball out of his hands quick, but he doesn't have the arm strength anymore to drive the ball down the field. So they don't. They're not scared of the deep ball. So they can play aggressive coming up. You know what I mean? So because they don't have to worry about him throwing the ball, passing, or getting their receiver getting behind them on a deep ball. Let's so I, think, I think it kind of limits the offense. Let's call it a game of uh, poker. Belichick is known saying his coaching style is he doesn't want to know what players can't do. He wants to know what he can get out of them so you put them in the place to make the decision or the play to make the decision. Let's just say maybe for once, finally, because I'm getting a little bit sick of it, he got dealt a pair of cards that didn't line up when the decision came down what he had to make. They, yeah, need, they need a few more players few more uh, aces to uh, support him because just like the Bengals, Andy Dalton, uh, you can't pick on him because he can't get to his third read. There's no way with that offensive line. You have to have good players surrounding you to be a great team. Um, I'm with you on that for sure. So that means that brings back the question, you know, Tom Brady in in the final interview said, you know, he doesn't – basically say he doesn't plan on retiring yet, but he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. So, would New England go against the Patriots' way and bring him back since Brady and Bob Kraft are so close? Or are, is he going to go off to some other team? And if he does go to some other team, what team is he likely to go to? The best-case scenario, honestly, in all this, if you're uh, making a good decision, is he is getting older and he's obviously uh, not hurting for money ever in his entire life is he takes a pay cut so they can use that money to do what I said best and put a few more aces around them because you start where you finish. They've done each other well. He knows the system. Train new person would be a big lag. Everybody gets older. Just, just load up the clip. He doesn't need the money. Take the pay cut. Pay for other people. Leave. He's been taking a pay cut his whole career. He's like the 20 – this off the top of my head. He's, but he's, he's in the bottom half of the – 
of uh, quarterback salaries in the NFL. Exactly. That's the game plan. Get the pieces, but he doesn't need the money. Well, the Patriot way ran into some roadblocks this year. They always get second-chance guys, third-chance guys, and make it work and save a bunch of money in the process. It did not work with Josh Gordon this year. It did not work with Antonio Brown. And at that point in the season, it was too late in the year to try to get that kind of talented receiver. So, Although Antonio Brown, it could have worked on the field, just off the field, he couldn't make it happen. All of well, you would have been, they would have been great. You could argue that's the same case with Josh Gordon. I mean, did you see the catch he made for the Seahawks the week before he got uh, dumped for drugs again? Right. Uh, you know, if Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon were playing at wide receiver for the Patriots, I think we'd be talking about a totally different thing right now. Yeah, that's that's probably true. That's probably true. And there's there's a lot that goes into the, 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 all those guys, too, as far as everything and you know, it's unfortunate for them. You know, unfortunate Patriots. Good for everybody else in the NFL, though. It means that there's going to be, uh, you know, new champions in town. And, you know, I don't think it's such a bad thing. You know, I'm a Michigan guy. I'm a Brady fan. I'm cool with Brady. But, you know, some of these young talent that's coming up, you know, it's, I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen in the division around uh, as far as everything. Um, I don't know. We kind of touched on it earlier a little bit. Uh, we got into Taysom Hill in New Orleans. Minnesota beat New Orleans, you know, um, Breeze wasn't the same. Their offense wasn't quite the same. Minnesota came out with their game plan. And I thought it was a good game plan. You know, they they moved their defensive ends inside to go against the Saints' weaker um, interior linemen, and they kind of ate them up on that. And Breeze just had problems. I don't, I don't know, just because of the, the strategy, the scheme, or, you know, it was a Breeze himself, but he just he didn't look the same. That's what he looked like the rest of the year. Or is the same thing I said about the Patriots that even the greatest yep. can have a, uh, a team or it's a team game. It's always been. You guys yeah, I mean, that. yeah, 100%. Um, it, 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 it's not uh, that he's all of a sudden done understand how the offense breaks down and stuff. Sometimes it just doesn't go your way. Well, if you want, if you watch the game, and you guys know this. In the NFL, if you can get to the quarterback with a four-man rush, yes, yeah, right. You're gonna the other your offense is in trouble. And the four front four for the Vikings were getting the breeze so yeah, quick that a guy with a quick release like him couldn't even get rid of it before they got to him. So uh, the Vikings are one of the lowest blitzing teams in the league, and they were uh, just coming at him. You know, it's. It was a great performance. I mean, and you know what's crazy? What one win can do for you. Right. A report was out before that game that Zimmer would be fired if they lost. He's a great coach. I think that would be insane that they would do that for losing in New Orleans. But, you know, now he's got new life. Kirk Cousins, who knows what happens to him if he doesn't hit deal with that bomb down the right side and win that game because of all the talk surrounding him. So it's it's amazing what win, one win can do for careers, and that was a big one for those two guys. You know, Kirk Cousins came in, 242, one touchdown. Uh, you know, just got it done, made the clutch plays when he needed to, and that was the knock on him that he couldn't do. So yeah. congrats to them guys. Couldn't show up to the big game. He absolutely proved that and uh, love him as a quarterback. I think he could, but he got his chance to show that. Also, Zimmerman. Loved him. Bengals D coordinator. 
He's a great coach. I would hate for him to lose him, but they lose him. I need a head coach back in Bengals and do some recruiting. But look what he's done to that program since he left us. Just like every player that goes to New England after they play for the Bengals. So true. So true. So, lastly, Seahawks, Eagles. Dane, everybody in Philly, were they sad? You see Carson Wentz get hurt on that uh, that botched screenplay where Clowney tackled him. Like people talking about, people <laughs> talking about Clowney should have been flagged. I'm like, I don't think he should have been flagged. He just tackled him, and Wentz's head hit the ground. That's just how it went. But, well, you know, funny. If you, I was watching the bar and you know the game in the bar, the place I usually watch the game, and it's packed with Eagles fans. And you didn't even know what happened at first. All you seen was him not come back in, and he was walking off the sidelines. Then they showing the replay of what happened. Uh, That's a dirty hit, in my opinion. I mean, he led with the crown of his helmet. He hit him in the back of the helmet when he was obviously giving himself up. Was he he giving himself up though? Like, no. Yeah, he was already he was already almost down, like on the ground. I mean, when he got hit in the back of the head, he was already on the ground. So. Uh, it's a dirty hit. No. It wouldn't have been a dirty hit if Clowney wouldn't have had his head down. You know, we just talked about this on the last podcast or whatever about the Ohio State game, how he led with the crown of his helmet. That's why it was right. called. If he led with his face mask up, it wouldn't have been a penalty. This guy led with the crown of his helmet. Uh, should have been a penalty. No. guy isn't even getting a fine now, they're saying. So I don't like to call – the Eagles fans were obviously upset. We're going wild. It's crazy out here during Eagles season. They are bummed out. But, you know, it, it is what it is. That's the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and obviously McCown was not uh, Nick Foles at all. So they, they could... I thought as a fellow defensive player that we would gang up on Terrell here being an amazing offensive player. But, no. How would he not lead with the crown of his head? The guy was on the ground. He has to look down for him. Don't make excuses for him. He hit him because that is a big man that already left his feet, and you can't reverse that. Now, I don't want anybody ever to get hurt. I've been through a million concussions and other head injuries in my life. But once the game doesn't become flag football, and if you're that fast and that big, you have momentum and you leave your feet, Wherever you land, point B, you're going to land how you land. That's how it happens. I don't know. Yeah, it's, just, it's it's tough. I'd have to watch it again to see, you know, look and see, like, for whatever thing. I, I do know that once he did get – once Wentz got hit, his head hit the ground too. So, oh, yeah. that didn't help anything. You know, that's that's probably what actually put him put him over. That's probably what gave him the actual concussion. Not to hit from Clowney, but his head getting driven to the ground. Well, yeah, exactly. I'll Clowney's tell you, a big guy. I, agree you, I agree with you, Dennis, on the uh, him diving forward, but uh, he had plenty of time to raise his head. He didn't have to stick his helmet in the back of his helmet. So I would say he couldn't avoid hitting him, but he did not have to hit him in the back of the helmet. Understood. What I obviously everybody knows I'm not a lethal person that wants this to happen, but I also think that, and it's a good thing, I guess that. You know, some things when these guys already are in motion, it's really hard to stop a freight train. Yeah, no, that, that's true. I'll agree with you there. But, yeah, you probably could figure out a way to not leave the crown of his helmet. So, 
you know, that that's just that situation. It's what it is. It's going to be you're going to see how how people are going to try to they've already tried to change your launch angles, how they're trying to tackle better. I think ultimately players are just going to have to go old school rugby style and, you know, tackle with their shoulder pads, you know, and use their shoulders at people versus, you know, going down the middle of their body like someone were taught. Because sometimes the crown of the heads, uh, crown of the heads up. Sometimes it's down. You know, you know, so, you know, so. Yeah, but I was I was gonna say too though. I'm gonna give some love for McCown, even though he had a 26.7 QBR. He did move the ball. He couldn't get in the red zone. Right. Think about this. This is a 40 year old dude that was retired that they called out of retirement. That probably hasn't taken a snap in three months. Has to come in and play. And he laid it all out there. I think when he came in, a lot of people were rooting for the Eagles at that point because McCounts, you know, from what they say, one of the best guys in the league. I know he had died for the Cleveland Browns and nobody else would have, right. like one of my friends said on Twitter. And I think half the nation or more was rooting for the Eagles when he came in. And uh, But, hey, we, we talked about this. Russell Wilson's the difference. 18 of 30, 325 yards and one touchdown in Philly. Impressive. Okay. That's why he's an MVP candidate. He showed, up. he showed up for sure. You know, I love it. Dane's stat guy. I didn't count on it. That's why I didn't bring any stats to the table because I know Dane's got it on the record. Hey, <laughs> Dane's so so <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think McCown actually had uh, Nike Air Force Ones on, uh, and I'm not sure they're actually cleats. I don't think you expect to get in the game. But impressive <laughs> individual. Seriously, he was doing drafts. I'm like, is he in gym shoes? Uh, he's an impressive Funny. individual. At that, he come from uh, coaching a high school team, gets a call, shows up. But how much intelligence goes into showing up for that game, making competitive NFL playbook is not something that you can write on your hand or uh, wristband like they used to. So, well, do you know how many teams don't have backups that could have came in and did exactly. that? I mean. It's just uh, – it's it's very impressive, you know. He's an impressive guy. <laughs> no, man, it's it was. It was good. But, obviously, those guys got – those teams got out of the rounds. Coming up, divisional playoffs this coming weekend. You know, hopefully we'll make our picks. Hopefully, Danny and I can pick a little bit better this yeah. week. Danny, if you can throw, you can throw your, your two cents in as well. Um, AFC, you got Titans versus the Ravens, or Titans at the Ravens, I should say. You also have the Texans at the Chiefs. Um, I don't know. I think that it's going to be – I think Ravens are going to get the Titans. I think they're solid. I think they can hang with the, the running game of the Titans. I think they can hold them down. I think they can slow them down. And um, I think it's going to be the Lamar Jackson show. With or without Mark Ingram, I don't think that matters. And I think the Chiefs are just going to outscore the Texans flat out. Well, yeah, I see that. Go on, Dane. I apologize. No, okay. Um, yeah, I agree with the Ravens. I'm calling it 28-13. I think the Titans would have to be able to throw the ball to beat the Ravens. and uh, I didn't see that last week from Tannehill, and I sure as heck don't think I'm going to see it in Baltimore. And I agree with you. I think the Chiefs outscore the Texans. I'm going to go 31-17. Uh, Houston just doesn't impress me. We talked about them last week. They're so up and down. You don't know what team's going to show up. I don't think they go into Kansas City and get the hey, win. In both games, both Baltimore and Kansas City, they are uh, minus 10 favorites in both games. I mean, that's a pretty serious margin 
for NFL games for a division around the playoff for that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's huge for an NFL. That's huge for a regular NFL. So, you guys said and admitted on, obviously, a recorded session that you made terrible picks last month. Or, yes, week. I apologize. This is really going to help my statement now that I'll give my two cents and I'll up you that Dane has to admit when I pick the other people that Cleveland somehow is a negative seven on everything. But I'm taking the Titans and the Texans just because you guys can't pick. And if I know somebody's <laughs> lost that much, I'm going to pick the other team. Titans. All right. <laughs> hey, that, they that, have that a hard time be- playing their game running through the Ravens. They're a very loaded team. And Texans up and down, the only advantage is they're up and down. So looking at all their film, they're like, we don't know what they're going to do. They're not really good at one thing or bad at another. They just kind of do things. Uh, Let's go for the good games. Well, maybe the bad games were not against the right team. So there's a little bit of a uh, odds um, crapshoot there. That's it. But I'm picking against people who don't know how to pick, and my odds are probably better because you guys failed. Surprise, surprise, surprise. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll talk about it next podcast. But NFC, yeah. Vikings, Vikings are in San Francisco. Seahawks are at Green Bay. Um, I think the Niners are going to win. I'm, I'm going chalk on, on that one. And um, honestly, I think the Seahawks are going to beat the Packers. I have no faith in Green Bay. I have no faith in Aaron Rodgers. You know, unless it's like, uh, you know, frozen tundra up there in Green Bay this week. And I still don't think it'll make a difference there. It's probably feet. It probably uh, – Helps the Seahawks. They'll just be able to run the ball and control the ball and go from there. So, I don't know. What do y'all think? Well, that's scary because I, I have similar feelings. I think the Vikings 49ers game is going to be very close. I think the Niners edge them out 24 17, but I think it's going to be really close. And I, I'm i with you. I think the Seahawks are going to squeak this one out. Probably last second field goal 27 24 over the Packers. Uh, the Packers, you know, and Aaron Rodgers even said it, everybody's underestimating them. Well, I mean, we see things that make us do that. I believe it's supposed to be really cold there, but it's Green Bay. I'm going up to check the weather and probably see that. Right. Uh, what do you think, Dennis? You know, Dennis is going to go with the Vikings and the, and the Packers. He's already said it, so he doesn't need to talk about it. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Let's talk real world here. Vikings. Love the coach. Lost him from Cincinnati. Should have been the head coach. Zimmerman. He's turned that program around. They're tied in with a Cincinnati boy from Elder High School. So, Vikings. That's enough said there. And they have the same colors I played high school in. And that, that does matter when you win NFL games, I promise. The other one. <laughs> Packers had 700. They offered 700 people an opportunity to get a free ticket. an hour to shovel the stadium for the game. It is going to be a frozen tundra, and that type of fan support can't root against it. It's like a high school team every Sunday, every playoff game. They probably make banners where they come in on the buses, even though they come in on jets. And uh, I I can't can't do it. Lombardi. (laughs) <laughs> by okay. 
Oh, there it is. There it was. I'm not saying any of this happen. Because of the weather. I know he's not coaching, just to be clear. Well, it'll help you as a lie, so we got you. <laughs> but no, you got it. You got your pick. So we'll see who's right for the next round. And um, yeah, we, we can throw a, a wager on that there, Dennis. Um, for each game. Okay. Uh, let's see. For each game, let's say uh loser buys drinks for each game. So one drink per game. What is a drink or a shot? I'll take I'll up that by um not shots, even though Dane will need this. But if I get over 50%, three out of four, Dane has to hang out with me for that first shot at a Browns game in a Bengals jersey. Whoa. <laughs> That's how is. confident I am on picking against you guys since you're O for everything. He said he, he said he would have to get three out of four for you to do that. Yeah. Bengals Browns game in a Bengals jersey. Not losing record, better than half. Oh. It, it doesn't have to be in the stadium. It just has to be present around people that don't know us. Yeah, because I'd hate to get beat up by my own people. Well <laughs> so I know I did a D endure and I it would be a lot of people to get you down, boy, but uh let's do it. Um at least you have to be around one person we don't know in it. I'll post a picture online. How's that? Nope. <laughs> in the Bengals jersey. Nope. <laughs> in public, because I want to hear what you hear. <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about it, and then we'll come back on. And, so and, are you nervous about it. your pick? No, I'm not nervous about my pick. It's just uh, I'm not very good at it, according to last <laughs> week. Yeah. Seriously. Is there a? Boys? Not my confidence my is not wavering. I'm good to go. Dane, I would, I would take the bet. If there was some other bet I have to do, I would do it. I don't care. So. <laughs> okay. All right. You got it. We'll right, do it. Deal. I'm glad this is a one street bet because I'm not putting on a Browns jersey. <laughs> <laughs> you should, though. It's only fair. It's only fair. Well, my parents raised me right. I'm not putting on a Browns jersey. <laughs> no, that's that's all right. All right, so we have a couple other topics here. Um, obviously, you have the national championships come up on Monday. Uh, Clemson, LSU. You know, a, a lot of people thought Ohio State got robbed. I understand that, but now it's a championship game. I don't know. I think Clemson can score on LSU. I think it can be a shootout. Um, do you think Clemson can slow down LSU's offense? That's really the question. No, I don't believe so. I think it's going to be a shootout. Um, I want – anytime it's not any of my teams, I I always in any sport want the underdog to win because the other option is a blowout, and that's not good for anyone. It's boring. It is what it is unless you're a fan. So uh, I want Clemson to win because that would be one great game. Because for them to win, it's going to be a lot of offensive firepower, both sides. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree, too, that I want to see a good game, particularly when uh, any of the teams I'm rooting for is not playing. Uh, 
I'm going to avoid going on another Big 12 tirade today about how bad that conference is and how they don't belong in the playoffs or ever should ever win a Heisman for not playing defense. But I won't get into all that. Uh, I, I do. You just got it, buddy. Shot. Yeah, I know. I can't help it. It drives me nuts. But I, I'm going to say it's going to be a close game. I mean, I think – Oh, look at what Ohio State's offense did. And once they got used to playing that level of, you know, talent that they hadn't played against all year, their defense really stepped up. Their red zone defense was really good. They got some NFL guys in the backfield there. On the defense, I think this is going to be a lot closer game than people think. I think them showing me how well they shut down that Ohio State offense, which was, you know, lighting everybody else up also. I think we're going to have a good game. I'm leaning towards LSU to win the game, but I think it's going to be much closer than people think. Agreed. I want LSU to be great, but I want him challenged because that might be the Bengals' next quarterback. I'm sorry for him to get that draft pick because we need no line, but whatever. Hey, don't worry about it. You can get Justin Fields with the first pick next year if you need one. Um, yeah, I don't know if I want Justin Fields with the first pick next year, to be honest with you. <laughs> I just want- Terrell, who do you have in it? I was leaning towards LSU, um, but I don't know. Like I said, Clemson made a statement against Ohio State and how they showed up in the second half on defense once they got used to everything, the speed and everything. So, and I think Clemson's going to be able to score on LSU, but I think I think LSU is going to beat them in a shootout. All right, so you guys both take LSU. I'm taking Clemson. <laughs> yeah, it's us with you. Didn't you just tell us LSU was going to win? Yeah, well, I, go I uh, threw a smoke bomb on that because if you guys are going over whatever fix you are, we've got an offensive and a defensive legends in you two. And um, apparently I was the smart one because I'm going against your bets. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see how it uh, turns I out. I don't like it, but I'll take it. Just like my last two picks. <laughs> Hey, it's hard to bet against orange, right? It is. Oh, if I lost everybody. Everybody still there? Oh, I'm there. Okay. You hear me? On your colors, but go yeah. on. Uh, Dennis must have gone on a tirade and we had technical difficulties in Lost and it's all right. We didn't need to hear we didn't need to hear all that anyway. No, you didn't. He not. likes orange. I um he's he's sticking with it. It's all right. Even at PC on the, the whole color and what I could say about it. <laughs> no, that's all good. So we'll see what happens as far as that. Um, I don't know. Final segment coming up. All right, I sent a, a message out to Dane and DJ. Uh, we we all play ball football in college um, at kind of different times. Dane and I played more of a we're a little older than DJ is. Um, yeah. and probably and probably better players, but we won't say oh, that. Wow. Uh, so picking against you guys. Wow. Yeah, I just, I'm just playing. See, that's what you get for going against our picks, man, trying to run out a little bit. Well, Step on the field, see what's good. I'm sorry. If yeah, you're yeah. beeline and you're disgracing your whole players and then you don't win, like, everything in Cleveland somehow, yeah, I'm not saying, hey, I'm going with that pick. Hey, you got to be above five tennis challenge us in the football field, bro. Vegas is over under all you guys being a zero in picks. It's zero. There's no under. You suck. Wow, that's funny. Anyways, what, we're, what I was going to say was, who were the three, when you were growing up, so high school, college, 
who are the three best players that you played against in football? And who was the best player you played with? Well, um, in college, unfortunately, it's hard to uh, follow the names in their future sometimes. Uh, I played against great people. Anything in the NCAA, I hope everyone respects that if you play all four years and you get out there in the NCAA any level, there is an amount of commitment at the minimum in time. If you step on that field, it's a lot. Learned it as a freshman stepping on the field. I'm playing against grown men. You haven't made it in high school yet. But going back to uh, high school, I was uh, fortunate enough to play next to some greats and uh, play against some greats, which by fortune, I mean, they ran me over and they threw over me a lot. So I will go with uh, the best I've played against. Uh, Brock Bull in Valley View, uh, one of my rivals in high school, uh, went to um, through college at Illinois and uh, was a fullback for the Jaguars for a while, ran me over many times as the running back against me in high school. As a captain, it's embarrassing in the films and the crowd and the community to even show up after you have to try to tackle this guy. But uh, amazing athlete, obviously, anybody makes it an out or a Division One is an amazing athlete. Matt Muncy uh, was uh, an amazing running back slash linebacker. Uh, went to the Ohio University and, like me, played with uh, rivals. High school uh, is a thing of the past. When you go to college, you'll, you might line up and become best friends with uh, someone that you were told by your community to absolutely despise. But uh, amazing individual can – absolutely destroy you on offense and defense. We were playing pickup basketball, and he would have been out of college seven years. And uh, I threw an amazing pass. Probably wasn't to him. And nonetheless, the competition, he turns around two foot, dunks the ball at like 38. I'm like, what? That's the type of athleticism <laughs> that he, like the that size is. of him too. That's amazing. Yeah, he's 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 legit. He's like he's a stout dude. Like so he played linebacker at OU, and he played. You know, he was on the like the Bengals like practice squad. Like he he was he was out there playing with them. You know, he kind of got dead dirty and how he didn't make the team, but you know he's legit. He's a big dude. He's athletic, and you know he was. You know, it was pretty serious when we played against him. Cause I played against him too. He was just he was younger when I played against, him. but you could tell he was going to be really good. Absolutely. Uh, last is. Um... A name of uh, Teddy Beaner, uh, quarterback slash. Uh, he was a Taysom Hill number seven for a very good school. There's one to say a lot. Uh, Teddy run past, and uh, unfortunately, as a captain against him and my rivals, uh, he had Brock Bullen behind him at running back. So he played quarterback, and uh, he would throw, kick, punt, ball state, uh, decide that one for him, and went deep sea fishing in Alaska for five years. But one of those people that if you play against him and he's in the huddle, you don't know if they're punting, passing, running, or he's going to get on your side, put on a different helmet and tackle. So amazing, amazing dude. And the best I played with other than myself, <laughs> but <laughs> we had, yeah. uh, I have to, 
very much on the show. Hey, you got me. DJ was the he was a visor guy and a neck roll guy. So you know what they say about dudes that wear neck rolls or wear a visor? Either they're really good or they're terrible. So and he gave away the fact we're old. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Now go ahead, DJ. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I yep. Go ahead. Bill Romanowski do not appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the nicest thing I'll ever say about that. But no. Everybody I played with was great. I've never, ever had to carry anyone. They're all amazing. But Austin Spittler played for the Dolphins, high school guy right next to me at linebacker, uh, Ohio State University. Uh, But honestly, there's so many people next to me and many through college from third grade that were amazing football players, the Chad Clemens, the Jack O'Dells, Andy Callahan, the Billy Cooks, uh, the Ryan Messers, Moorhead, UD. Uh, honestly, luckily enough to play football in college, um, the line of people I played with, um, I couldn't carry their jockstrap. They're great people, and they've made me better. Look at Dennis getting all sentimental. We appreciate it, man. They do too. Now, mm-hmm. I know the player. I know a lot of those players you're talking about. Saw him play. Yeah, they're definitely, definitely uh, really good. And I see why you put them on that list. So, Dane, what about you, man? Well, like it's hard to choose uh, because you know high school, college. It's uh, you know I played against a lot of good players. You know, just so everybody knows, I played for Ohio Wesleyan University in college and Akron Manchester High School. So that's the areas I was coming from. I'd say one of the top players I played against, I'll start with Casey Donaldson from Wittenberg University. Uh, Very big running back. Uh, I looked up his stats, and it actually shows him being listed as the second-best player in Wittenberg history. His last three years, they were undefeated in regular season and kicked our butt. And uh, he had 5,112 rushing yards and 68 touchdowns. Yeah, we played. We yeah. played against him too. That dude was the truth. Give him props. So it's funny. I'll never forget. It was a sweet play, and I played defensive end. So I'm following the play. It's a stretch play, stretch play, and bam! I get in the hole, and I'm like, I got him. Well, the next thing you know, I'm on my back, and that never happens to me because I'm a bigger guy, as you guys know. And I was on my back. I was a little off balance, so I oh, make a little excuse me. there. But just <laughs> way. <laughs> But – and then Casey Donaldson played from 97 to 2000, so he was older. I think it was like my sophomore year when I uh, had that happen. But, uh, yeah, heck of a player. Then the next player I would go with is R.J. Bowers from Grove City College. This dude was big too. And before we played them, my defensive coordinator said, just so you guys know, I've never seen him caught from behind on film, but I still want you to run anyway if he gets out there. I said, all right, you got it. So, R.J. Bowers was the first player in NCAA history to finish with 7,000 yards. He had 7,350 yards. That's crazy. And is the all-time and was the all-time leading scorer at the time with 562 points. And get this, 92 touchdowns. So... We played Grove City College. This was 2000 at Grove City. It's in Pennsylvania. And we were the only team that he ever played against that held him under 100 yards. And uh, 
He broke one where he reversed the field like Barry Sanders on a sweep. And keep in mind, this dude's like 6'2". And breaks out and outside. And uh, we had to run him down. But he scored the one touchdown on us. But we did a good job of kicking their butt. But it was still impressive. A very impressive player. I mean, you can't deny the numbers. So, and then my first one, I'm going to have to go with high school. And this is pretty easy. James Harrison, Coventry High School. Uh, obviously went on to be a five-time pro bowler. Only undrafted player to win NFL put defensive player of the year and won two Super Bowls. So, I think that was a pretty easy pick. This was our rival, the battle of Route 93, we called it, week 10. And uh, my sophomore year, they actually beat us. And Harrison back then played linebacker and running back. So it was a big, serious game with a lot of people at these games. And, uh, you know, he was was as good as advertised. He went to Kent State. We're not sure why. I think there were some issues. But uh, everybody knows what kind of player he became. And it's funny, on an old VHS, it shows us banging back and forth on a, after a play, and I'm pretty much getting my ass kicked because I'm only a sophomore, away like 160 pounds. So, <laughs> but, you know, it was good. Typical typical <laughs> Cleveland guy, uh, they take it uh, and lose, and they have somehow put a noun in there. Like, oh, I was only a sophomore. Oh, we uh, unfortunately uh, should have won this, but we lost. Yeah, he's a great player. You got ran over, buddy. Well, also got revenge my junior year. Luckily, he wasn't allowed to play because he got in trouble. And we took the battle of Route 93, took the title back, and still have it to this day hanging up in the school. So, got the last yeah, laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? This is uh, this is going out saying I played against a lot of good <laughs> left tackles in the league. I remember – you know, you walk up these games, and don't you ever wonder what your opponent's going to be like? You watch it on film and everything, and you never know what it's going to be like till you get down there with Absolutely. them, right? And, you know, I walked up my first game. We're playing all another out-of-conference game, all of that Michigan, way up in the – way up there, as you guys know where Michigan is, I hope. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I walk up, and the student's like 6'6", 320. I'm like, oh, yeah, this should be fun. You know, you just never know until you get down there. Right. And I'll finish. And so, shout out to all the tackles out there. There's a lot of good ones out there. And uh, I'd say the best player I played with, it's tough because I uh, played with a lot of good players, some guys who got some pro looks and stuff like that. But I'm going to have to go with my high school quarterback, Rob Adamson. Transferred to uh, my high school as senior year from St. Vincent, St. Mary, LeBron's alma mater. And he – Came in and basically helped us go to the state championship game. We lost in five overtimes. Five overtimes? But he hit long bombs. Five overtimes. It's the longest game in Ohio high school history, state title game. So we lost in five overtimes. To, you guessed it, Germantown Valley yeah, View. We were overwhelming favorites, and uh, they were able to squeak one by us. Uh, but – you know, Rob Adamson, one of the reasons I picked him is because he went on to a heck of a career in college. At Mount Union from 98 to 02, he won four Ohio Conference titles. He had three undefeated seasons, never lost a game in regular season. Actually, never lost a game. He was a three-time national champion. And uh, he's in the Summit County Hall of Fame, had a cup of coffee in the NFL and played a year with the Clone Sentinels. But he was 6'4" about 200 pounds, 
at a cannon arm, good player. So, you know, because of so much success he had in Mount Union, who we know had dominated Division Three during our era, uh, I got to throw him on there. So, shout out to Rob. Well, I'm going to actually, and I can't believe I'm doing this, bail you out. The two players uh, that I played against were from Valley View High School, the Brock Roll and Teddy Beaner which was in my conference in high school. Uh, I went to Bellbrook High School, a place that just makes amazing athletes, and then me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And this is the type of school that when you drive in, somehow there's not a billboard, but there's like a whole – like highway signs till you get there telling you how bad you are. But uh, I was, point being, the last game we played them in high school before playoffs, I shut them out 21 to zero, and they hadn't been shut out since 1983. Multiple, multiple state championships. So, Dane, I know what you're going through when they beat you in state. But seriously, don't lose the value. Come on, buddy. And you know what's crazy is my high school, shout out to Jim France, he is the winningest coach in Ohio high school history, and he actually passed 400 wins this year. See, that's, which is, that's, that's, that's impressive. Hey, that's dedication to the program. That is. And shout out to Wayne Perry, the most winningest collegiate coach in uh, NCAA Indiana that Terrell and I played for, if we're going to say that, and uh, lucky to be around a guy that amazing. Yep, for sure. Took a lot from him. A lot of prayer proverbs from him. And actually, uh, one of the guys that's on my list is now coaching at his alma mater. Um, best guy I played with is college quarterback Brett Dietz. Um, now I, I forget all the stats for him and everything. I know he was he, he played a, you know he played overseas in Europe, played arena ball. You know I know he's rookie of the year in both arena two and arena one. Took his team Tampa Bay Storm to the arena bowl. A day we were watching him, we were out in Cali, me, you, and Ronaldo, I think, the one time we were out there. So, saw him flash up on TV there. Um, great player, but he's now the head – he got named head coach at DePaul University, which where our college coach, Coach uh, Coach Perry, uh, graduated from. So, you know, great player to play with, great. He's going to be a great coach for sure, and I look forward to seeing what he can do there. Uh, guys I played against, the three best I played against, uh, all from when I was in high school. Uh, one, Ryan Brewer with Troy High School. He was – He's Mr. Ohio back in like 98, but he's probably, as far as running back, he wasn't the biggest dude. He's like 5'10, 205 pounds, something like that. Wasn't the biggest guy, wasn't the fastest guy, but the dude, you couldn't bring him down. He was strong. He had great balance. And he's still by far probably one of the best, hardest tackling players I've ever gone against. And the other two players, uh, one's Vincent Gay. He went to Trotwood. Wasn't a big guy, but that dude was everywhere. He, like, he had, like, 20-plus tackles against us. He probably hit me the hardest I've ever been hit in my life. And um, he was a great player. But he didn't go – he didn't play ball in college. He wasn't wrestling in college. So, um, did that. And another guy named Mike South. This dude looked like, looked like a linebacker, like, 6'4". Right at the time, and you know, he was probably, like, 240, 250. He could run. He was mean. And you just didn't want to be in his way at all. So, you know, big shout out to those guys. You know, they, they definitely – uh, brought their best to the table when they were playing against them um, overall. And, you know, I just want to look back. I want to see kind of your thoughts on your guys' career and everything like that. So Big shout-out to the person you said that went and wrestled in college. It's a sport that's not have the NFL and all the TV time, but wrestlers are 
uh, very, very, very amazingly tough and resilient individuals that if you keep taking that career on, you already know the outcome. There's no glory in it. And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that you're not doing it to take the high school uh, cheerleader to prom. You're doing it because you're an amazing, absolute individual. Yeah, for sure. Definite commitment. And you know, one of my friends wrestled Ohio State. And those guys, they love to go train, love to go work out. It wasn't, it wasn't hard for them to be like, hey, let's go work out. And two or three of them would go run out and go work out real quick, you know, at all times of the day, two and three times a day. It was crazy to watch, crazy to see it. They definitely had commitment, definitely had dedication. And I think you just have to have a different mindset to be a wrestler. And you know, it, was just, it was interesting witnessing that for sure. So, Well, what was interesting, my college brought wrestling back this year. Uh, they started the program two years ago, and they're officially wrestling this year in the conference. Yeah. So you don't hear a lot of co- schools bringing wrestling back because you have to have the same amount of women's and men's sports. And a lot of times wrestling falls through the cracks because there isn't an equivalent to that. Right. But yeah, wrestling brought back wrestling this year. So shout out to the Bishop's wrestling team. I don't think uh, we have or had Terrell at Hanover wrestling. I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. We got to think Hanover is a smaller school than, than Ohio Wesleyan too. And there's, there's not even a thousand students there now, right now. So, and, and I'll say half the students there, maybe probably play sports. Cause I know I never heard of Hanover before getting recruited to go there. So, yep. but man, I, we've been sitting here rambling and talking and everything going and let make everybody, any, any more bored than what they already are. But I appreciate y'all coming on. It was always fun. Hopefully, um, Dan and I win these bets so we can um, nope. We can talk trash to Dennis nope. next week. Hopefully, have both of you guys back on so we can kind of discuss this again, see what else is good out there. Um, anybody want to chime in on the discussion, reach out. Uh, you can go out to the Anchor app, find the Always Relevant podcast out there. And you can click on the link, you can leave a message, and you know I'll listen to what you have to say. And hopefully play it on the show and we can uh, bring it up if possible. If not, hit me up on social media, uh, Twitter at Franchise1122, Instagram at Terrell Dwayne 11 You guys can your handles if you want. I think Dane and Dennis are both on Twitter, maybe Instagram, I'm not sure. But, you know, if you guys want to, toss it out there. Let me ask my secretary what uh, I'm on because she manages my social media. <laughs> but hey, hey, also, hey, admin. Um, admin. Dane, I have a Nikki Woods jersey ready for you to throw on because you're going to lose because you haven't apparently made any good picks. But honestly, I would have picked. Uh, I won't even say it. We'll talk about it next <laughs> week, and I might come down. Yeah, we'll I do the icky shuffle to, together. Uh, feel a cough coming on in case <clears throat> they go a different way. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I guess we'll see you next week. We're going to call you up and bring you on in. Yeah, we are. <laughs> my voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, I appreciate it. And um, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Good luck, everyone. All right, everyone. Have a- yeah. All right. Later. everybody we're here for the final segment relax and take notes and the only thing i really want to say today is you know to keep friends close if possible 
Um, Dane and DJ are some of my closest friends. Dane's in Pennsylvania. DJ's here with me in Ohio. Uh, some of our other friends are across the country from Indiana to Colorado to California. So we don't get to talk as so much as we like to. So it's pretty cool to have them on and discuss things on the show and everything like that. And, you know, still having the viewers or the listeners out there listening and, you know, hopefully um, be interested in what we're talking about. So we're having fun. We're having a good time. And uh, it's always good when you have friends to do stuff that you have fun doing. So uh, I said keep friends close, you know, interact, in when it, interact with them whenever possible. And hopefully they'll be back on. Hope I can bring some other people back on as well. And hope you enjoyed. So until then, see you next time. Have a good one. Later.